Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. The non-revenue sports, as they're called, were clearly a bigger priority for Desiree Reed Francois than most. But it's got me wondering: after she's gone, should Missouri even bother with those sports? Let's talk about that and another loss to Tennessee in basketball last night. Right now on Locked On Mizzou, you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And coming up, I want to talk about, of course, last night's Missouri-Tennessee game where Dalton Connect, well, in the second half, he put the knife through the Tigers' chest. No doubt about that. So I want to talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. First, I do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So here's the deal. I don't want to talk, I don't want to get too deeply anymore than I have the last couple of days here into the Desiree Reed Francois stuff. As all of you know, I've admitted that is not the off the field stuff, the, the palace intrigue, if you will, behind the scenes at the University of Missouri is not really my forte. I'm much more interested in the on the field and court action. That's just me. But to that point, this is somewhat related, those two thoughts. Well, this morning, Gabe DeArmond, as more information starts coming out here, as more opinions are are made here, and people just have time to piece all of the information together, well, Gabe says the more he looks at it, the more he thinks the real tipping point was the time back in October when Missouri and Desiree Reed Francois had a release about basically a sweeping change to the Missouri Athletic Park. A lot had a lot of people speculating on, hey, maybe this is the time where the Hearn Center gets demolished and maybe you put a glittering new baseball stadium there. That type of deal. And maybe build a whole new type of of building for the volleyball team, the wrestling team, gymnastics. They have their own dedicated facility that has been built in the last, you know, five decades, that type of thing. Obviously, the Hearn Center is a, I shouldn't say obviously, but for the uninitiated, the Hearn Center, obviously, while it serves a very good purpose right now, obviously an older building that is very expensive to maintain as well. But regardless Desiree Reed Francois clearly had a vision not only for improving the football stadium, which clearly was the main main event, the main course of this whole thing, but Desiree obviously wants Missouri to be competitive. She wanted Missouri to be competitive on the baseball diamond, I think, in particular, but in all sports. I think Robin Pinchton, the women's basketball coach, has felt pressure from Desiree Reed Francois in particular this entire season, especially because, well, obviously pinched in not somebody that Reed Francois had hired. But you know what? There is some speculation here. Again, 
Gabe sort of putting putting this, hey, this could have been the real tipping point here because come October, again, there was this whole pre-release before the real release, I guess, in October, October, excuse me, where basically all of that stuff was put on the shelf other than the improvements to Memorial Stadium, the North End Zone Complex. That type of deal, putting in a video board, improving the sound system. There was no mention whatsoever of a new baseball stadium, doing anything to Hearn Center or anything really related to anything except football. And, you know, again, who knows exactly what happened there? But I will say this, the idea, as far as I can tell, the idea that the board of curators, and I've seen this idea out there online quite a bit, Again, this is the to the best of my understanding, but the idea that the board of curators would be reining in Reed Francois based on saying that fundraising was an unrealistic goal, well, that would be a first. Let's just put it that way. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would be a first. Maybe it is true that Reed Francois' plans were simply just too ambitious, and she felt like, for whatever reason, Clearly, she felt like she wasn't going to be able to get those across the finish line. But speaking of the finish line, the track team, it does lead me to ask, is spending money on non-revenue sports actually worth it? Because I'm really having a hard time making the case that it is. For example, could baseball actually work at Missouri? And what do I mean by work? Well, can you get the locals and the students in this area to support it? Because the bottom line is people from Kansas City and St. Louis, who, of course, many of them go to the Mizzou football games, lesser lesser than that, fewer people than that go to the men's basketball games, but still a significant amount come from a fairly significant distance outside of Columbia. But you know what? When it comes to Mizzou baseball, those people are never coming. And neither are people from, say, Macon or Moberly, those types of places either. It's always going to have to be the locals here in Columbia, maybe people from my old stomping grounds of Ashland or Hallsville, Centralia, Harrisburg, those types of places that are they're right nearby. Jefferson City, of course, that type of deal. But Any farther than that, I just don't think it's realistic to actually think that Mizzou baseball is going to draw anybody. And is that going to be enough? How good does the team have to be for people to come out and see Missouri baseball? Because quite honestly, by the time the weather turns a lot of times, hey, we're having great weather today here in February in Columbia, but more often than not, it takes to you're well into April and May before most weekends are desirable here in mid Missouri. So, and a lot of times by by that point in the season, well, Missouri's already pretty far below 500 the past few years. And when it comes to college basketball on the women's side, it's sort of the same deal. Again, I think obviously Missouri baseball and I think women's basketball are a good comparison because there are definitely some people listening to this show right now were probably mad at me and saying, what are you talking about? I love Missouri women's basketball. I love Missouri men's baseball. I get all that. That's fantastic. I'm not saying I want it to go away. I'm just simply stating what is the benefit of spending more money on it? Because with more money, well, you have to assume better results, right? If for it to be worth it, are we going to get those results? And if we get those results, is anybody going to care? That's the question. Does that actually move the needle for the university in any tangible way, whether it's in the the budget, 
in terms of actually making some money for one of these sports? Well, that doesn't appear to be incredibly realistic. Can they at least lose less money, I suppose? Maybe that's a more realistic goal. But in terms of actually getting a real fan base, I'm just not sure in a, in a market, in a state with two major league baseball teams and you know, the Tigers are here, the Chiefs are a gigantic deal, the St. Louis Blues, obviously. There's plenty of sports options in this state, and I just don't know that anything other than Missouri men's basketball or, or football is worth spending any money on. So if the Board of Curators, if they did have if they did have maybe that perspective versus Reed Francois' perspective, well, to be fair to the board of curators, who I've certainly taken to task, just the whole, really just the power setup and dynamic that is that is in place at the University of Missouri versus any specific person or the board in general, well, I've taken those people to task. If that's their point, well, I have to say I tend to agree with them over Desiree Reed Francois. Somebody show me a good case for spending money on the non-revenue sports because right now, unless you're just ha- you happen to be a fan of one of those sports, I just don't really see the case. And you know it was a bit of a familiar sight at Mizzou Arena last night, though I had that definitely was an example of Dennis Gates being as angry, probably the most angry I've ever seen him at the officials last night during the game. But after the game, his ire was directed very squarely at his players. So let's talk about the game last night coming up here in just a little bit. But first, hey, it's it's time to talk about game time. And what the heck? Did you put off, once again, getting your tickets to the last second? Yes, I'm talking to you, the St. Louis Blues goer. Well, I got the the solution for you. Of course, it's the Game Time app. If you want to go to the Blues game tomorrow against the New York Islanders, hey, 23 bucks all-in pricing. And if you want to get a little more fancier than that, naturally, you can go by the list, the map. Personally, I love the list. I really do. Because you get, then you can just scroll through and get a perfect, quick idea of your exact vantage point on the Game Time app. To me, it takes all the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. And right now, Game Time users get $20 off their next purchase with code locked on. And again, terms apply. Just download the Game Time app and use code L O C K E D O N for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, the normally reserved Dennis Gates was pretty fired up after the Tennessee game last night. 
And I don't know if it was really a sign of true frustration from Coach Gates, though if it were, that would certainly be understandable. But I also just wonder if maybe he's trying something a little different psychologically for his team because instead of, well, blaming the referees or at least seemingly blaming the referees for Missouri's inability to get to the foul line, Gates said yesterday after the game, quote, the big picture of it all was our inability. We got to do a better job of drawing fouls. I think we suck at it. We're effing terrible, except he didn't say effing. We're terrible at drawing fouls and we got to do a better job. Y'all can write that in there, right? Make sure you don't bleep that out. So, sorry, sorry, Dennis, but the Locked On Podcast Network does require me to to bleep myself in that particular moment. But I will just say I thought it was interesting, not only that, but with about 10 minutes left in the game, Jordan Butler fouls out on an illegal screen, and then about a minute later, Dennis Gates just absolutely tears in to not one, but two of the referees on the court after he called a timeout, quite honestly, if that was anybody but Dennis Gates, I, I don't know how he avoided a technical foul there. It seemed like he was doing everything in his power to get a technical foul. Again, the, the normally reserved Dennis Gates is either showing some visible frustration or just trying a different tactic with this team. Either way, I can't say I blame him. But again, it was frustrating. Some of the foul calls I thought actually were really frustrating, in particular in that second half when Missouri is in the bonus basically four or five minutes into the half. My goodness, can we please get, if we're not going to do quarters, can we at least after the 10-minute mark just reset the fouls so we're not getting into the bonus for the last 15 minutes of the game five fouls four fouls per 10 minutes whatever it is anything's got to be better than to me 15 plus minutes of a team being in the bonus that's just not the kind of basketball that I want to watch but regardless obviously Missouri did a great job I think defensively in the first half part of it was just both teams were completely off offensively to begin that game it was in fact a 14 to 13 Missouri lead with about six and a half minutes left in the half and boy my whole thing about man-to-man being better than zone defense is looking pretty good right about now. Am I wrong? I don't know. Just call me crazy. I still tend to believe that unless unless zone defense is what your program is based upon, unless you're Syracuse, basically, I just think I'd rather change up my coverages, whether it's in terms of pick and rolls, double teams, off the ball stuff, switching, Whatever it might be, I just think that's a better answer than going zone. And I think that's what you saw last night for Missouri. I thought their guards in particular, Tamar Bates, played really hard getting Dalton Connect off of his game. And in the first half, he was he was pretty terrible, let's be honest. And then, well, he hits a contested about probably 20-footer from the baseline there in the second half. And then last 15 minutes or so, he could hardly miss. I had a feeling once he hit that shot, it was probably all over right there. And, and by the way, Dalton Connect, how are you number three when number four is just sitting right there? Come on, go to the NBA and become Connect Four. See, that's I'll, I'll give you that one for free, Dalton. You can just have that one. No commission whatsoever. But seriously, I, I just think that overall, 
once again, Missouri plays a pretty good ball game for, say, 30 minutes or so, maybe 25 minutes, and then they just seemingly run out of gas. It just took a little bit too much, it felt like, just not quite enough enough depth, either at guard or in the middle. Of course, you know, Mabor Majak, God bless him, really. I love the guy. Holy cow, what a bull in a china shop he was yesterday in so many different moments. I mean, him diving on that ball and landing hard on his shoulder like that. My goodness, talk about some hustle. I'll give him that. The guy is playing unbelievably hard. But I will say this, I think Missouri really did miss Jordan Butler the last 10 minutes of that ball game. I know he only played 13 minutes. His his stats are not going to be that impressive or going to blow you out of the water by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm just telling you, over the last maybe two or three ball games or so, I've noticed Jordan Butler, especially on the defensive end of the court, he just looks more settled. He looks like he knows where to go, looks like he's figuring out how to use his big seven-foot frame and length to his advantage more. And again, especially on the defensive end of the court now, I just think the, the sort of old Gretzky analogy of skate to where the puck is going instead of where it is, well, I, again, I think the game is starting to slow down a little bit for Jordan Butler, and I think that's a good sign for sure. Now, of course, the Missouri basketball student section, the Antlers, well, they're never ones to shy away from weighing in on a controversy, are they? And on their Twitter feed last night, during the pregame, the Antlers X feed said they just took six signs about the Antlers loving DRF. F you, oversight committee. Boy, a lot of naughty words today on Locked on Mizzou. And then they followed up saying arena staff said the higher-ups, quote, told them to not allow any signs or mention of DRF or oversight or new AD. So, obviously, Desiree Reed-Francois was somebody who had embraced the antlers and had sort of let go a lot of their antics and encouraged them. The Mr. Brightside song with yet more naughty words (laughs) included. So, I don't know, just a different, maybe a little bit different of a relationship with the antlers being established here now that Desiree Reed-Francois is gone. And obviously, Desiree Reed-Francois had a lot of fans, as you can see, but clearly she had her detractors as well. Anytime you come in to a new place, shake things up, get rid of some people, bring in some some new people, that's obviously going to ruffle some feathers. And as Gabe DeArmond said on the message board just yesterday, she was probably a hard ass and tough to work for. Some people also probably considered things like show up on time and wear black and gold unreasonable expectations because they'd gotten used to coasting along in a in a department that never won SHIT and didn't appear to care all that much about doing so. Wow, even Gabe DeArmond dropping curse words as well. Dennis Gates cursing, Gabe DeArmond cursing. Man, this is like seeing your preacher cursing or something at a poker game. This is just surreal. But you know what? Honestly, that's probably one of my favorite. That might be my favorite Gabe DeArmond comment of all time about people maybe just not wanting, maybe they just want to coast. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the boss who wants to change things up and be a little different and and push a little harder. Of course, that type of person is going to ruffle some feathers. Most people enjoy the status quo, especially if, hey, you're happy with your current job, your current situation 
and your current salary. I understand all of that. That's human nature. But you know what? I'm more with Gabe on this one, and I really appreciated that particular comment. And, and you know, one thing I did appreciate too, frankly, is that Jackson Francois, who was evidently in Tucson, Arizona yesterday morning for Desiree's introductory news conference at Arizona. Well, he made it all the way back to Columbia to support his teammates, be down there, his usual happy, cheering self on the bench. I don't know. I just thought I was going to be a little bit disappointed, which sounds stupid because it's not like Jackson Francois was going to be a key member of last night's team in terms of of on the floor. But you know what? Like I said, he's part of the team. I, I would just would have been disappointed to see him not there. So good on him for being able to support his mom and his teammates at the same time. How was he able to pull that off logistically? I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's cool that it was able to happen that it was able to happen. I really do. And earlier in the week I mentioned the possibility of Brady Cook Returning to Missouri for the 2025 football season, well, I had one YouTube commenter saying he was pretty sure that that's not the case. So, you know what? Let's try to solve this mystery, this question coming up here in just a little bit. I think I'm about 99% sure I've got this one correct, but we'll come up here. We'll we'll, explain here in just a little bit, long story short. But you know what? Let's also talk about FanDuel because it's time to get buckets. Yes, football's over, so it's hoops time, and it's time to get buckets with your first bet at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. With any winning $5 bet, that's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. It's FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying it's necessarily likely at all that Brady Cook is going to play for the Tigers in 2025, but what I am saying is I'm like 99.9% certain that he could if he wanted to. Now, Dave on YouTube says, I don't think Cook can play again next year. Now, obviously, by next year, he means 2025. Don't get me started all the confusion by next week and the next day versus take the next ride and please don't get me started on all that but the point here is I really do think Cook can play in 2025 and the reason I brought this up in the last week or so I saw it somewhere somebody at either Rock M or Power Mizzou maybe it was Gabe I'm not sure I swear somebody said that Cook could play in 2025. But you know what? Let's check the work a little bit here because what's not in question is 2020. Yes, Brady Cook played that season, but guess what? That season does not count for anybody. It's a zero. What's in question is 2021 because obviously the last two seasons Brady Cook played and started, yes, those two years count against his eligibility. And presumably this 2024, that'll be a third year of eligibility Brady Cook will play out this year. So it's 2021 is the question. Did Brady Cook redshirt 
that year. I believe that he did because back to 2017-18 range is when the four-game redshirt rule came into effect. In other words, you can play in up to four ball games and still maintain your redshirt status. And in the regular season, that's exactly what Brady Cook did. But here's the question. Brady Cook actually played in five ball games in 2021 because he started the Armed Forces Bowl. But as far as I can tell, bowl games do not count toward that four-game total. So therefore, Brady Cook redshirted in 2021. That means if he wants to come back in 2025, he has a fourth year to play as far as I can tell. Again, 22, 23, 24... That's three years, 25, that's a fourth. Somebody tell me what I'm missing here. Feel free to ask Gabe DeArmond or whoever to check my work here, but unless that rule, that specific part of, hey, the bowl game doesn't count, unless that came in in the last couple years here after the 21 Armed Forces Bowl, and I can't find any evidence that that's the case, well, again, It'll be up to Cook if he wants to come back in 2025, as far as I can tell. And really, the reason I originally brought up the possibility of Cook playing another year at Missouri was because it somewhat complicates, if indeed I'm right, by the way, but and I believe that I am, but if that's true, then that does complicate the future of the Missouri quarterback situation just a little bit and does make me part of it you know, another separate but related thought. I was wondering, hey, I wonder if if Jabari Johnson or Jake Garcia had known that Sam Horn was going to be out for this upcoming football season. I wonder if one of them or maybe even both would have stuck around. Who knows? But just a thought there. Again, tough timing for the Mizzou football team as far as Horn's injury goes. If that would have happened, well, frankly, a couple months ago, would have been better for Missouri in finding a guy in the portal. But hey, those are the breaks. Nothing you can do about that at this point. It's all spilled milk. So there you go. But you know what? Hey, thanks as always for listening to Locked On Mizzou and making this show your first listen every day. How about for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today on the first It's the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel available on YouTube and now also available on the Amazon Fire TV streaming app, the free Fire TV channels app. Find the Locked On Sports Today podcast. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.